You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 51, preparing for cancer appointments with your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. So as we just said in the title of this episode, we are going to talk about how to prepare for cancer appointments. So, so much goes into preparing these medical appointments as a cancer thriver. We need to consider questions that we want to ask, ideas that to discuss with our healthcare professional, really plans, decisions. There's a lot that goes into those, those short appointments. And I find the idea of consciously preparing for these appointments to be powerful and quite empowering because it gives you back the control that you might not think that you'll have. It gives us the opportunity to fill in our toolbox and then bring our toolbox to the appointment, if you allow me this analogy, um, and that ensures us as much success as we can. We have very limited time in this medical system with certain members of our care team, that being specialists, medical oncologists, radiologists. I think on average is about 15 minutes per appointment, which isn't long at all to talk about everything that's going on. So it's important to be ready and to use that time as efficiently as possible. So that's why we're talking about how to prepare for our appointments today. Maybe we can start with Alex. How do you prepare yourself for your appointments? Yeah, it's a great place to start. For me, I don't have too many notes to discuss on preparing. I just do a few things that I find can calm me down and prepare me the best when I go in. I like to start off even prior to the day of the appointment itself. I like to get a good night's rest the night before. I usually don't go out. I usually stay in and I kind of just get a good sleep because I know that the next day is going to be a lot of waiting around, a lot of listening. And a lot of the time that we have, and as you said, it's limited, is going to be based on our own diagnosis, our own treatment, and on our own health. So I want to be awake and prepared and listening to everything that my healthcare team has to say so I can either counter it or agree or at least have some sort of opinion. So I also like to go in every morning with a routine. A lot of the time I eat the same breakfast, I grab a coffee, I listen to some empowering music to kind of get me started. I like to follow a similar routine because I find that if I've had success in the last appointment, not that it obviously has to do with the routine, but it definitely gets me a little bit more prepared and it makes me feel a little bit more positive going in. And I think the one last thing that I definitely do to prepare is I write down a lot of the concerns and questions I have in my phone. I have a little note section focused more on the appointments and I like to write down either the concerns physically, mentally that I've been going through. I like to discuss some questions I may have. Is this normal? Is that normal? Is there something that we can change? And I like to refer to it throughout the day. We obviously have a lot of time when we're waiting for either blood work to be done or oncologists to be prepared before we actually meet with them. And I like to look at my notes and prepare so that when I go in, I can either have an idea of how everything's going to go or I can at least fit in my two or three questions and concerns throughout the few minutes that we have with that healthcare professional. So that's essentially what I like to do. What, what about you, Gabrielle? I feel like you have a lot of, of different quirks and things that you'd like to include before you get in there. 
Some of the things that I do, I think, resembles what you've talked about, the idea of empowerment and having that routine that gets you feeling good and empowered is important. Listening to music, calming yourself down, meditating, all those things are things that I try to include in, in my morning routine. Most of my appointments are now mornings because that's when my oncologist and my radiologist do work. So actually all of my appointments are Friday mornings. That's my time, which gives me enough time to eat breakfast and, and go. I usually go get a Starbucks or, well, for us, it's a second cup in our hospital. So I go for a second cup, grab a tea, just kind of relax and, and go through that process to make me feel good, whatever can get me in that mindset. I think what's a little different is that from past conversations with you, Alex, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have as much of a fear of recurrence or you don't identify as much with that. I will be 100% honest. I am, I'm living through that phase right now where fear of recurrence is, is something that's present in, in my life. So a lot of what I do to prepare for appointments is managing that fear of recurrence. So it's calming myself down. It's finding someone who can come to the appointment with me, who can be with me for the few hours I have to wait. So not even at the hospital. We have to be there 15 minutes before the appointment. So that's nothing. But in the grand scheme of things, who's going to be able to occupy me for the four or five hours between the time I wake up? And the time I, ha I have to meet with my oncologist. So it's getting myself organized to have those mechanisms in place to keep me going through that day. And then, of course, I keep a running list. I like to use Evernote. So I have a, a list in Evernote of all the questions I will have to ask my oncologist or any other member of my care team. That kind of helps me because I cannot think of everything the week of. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of things that I should ask, but I, you, you never remember all of them. So keeping track of them throughout the year, it, it never stops, is important for me to do. And then the week before or even the day of, I'll look at that list and say, okay, what are my priorities? What might have been resolved already? And share that list with whoever's coming with me to the appointment because I won't remember those questions <laughs> or I'll forget. I'll, I sometimes avoid asking questions to my oncologist right. or my care team. So have sharing that with other people. So just kind of preparing for any scenario possible. I think one thing that is important that you said is that you kind of keep a, a track of questions and things like that throughout the year even. So a lot of the times I found when I first went into appointments the night before I would try and write down a bunch of questions I had. And a lot of the times I couldn't remember what the problem was. So even just writing down a concern, a question, something that you had thought of at some point, maybe a week, two weeks ago, writing that down so that you have it prepared when you actually do go in is very important because then you'll have all your information stored with you and you'll be better prepared when you actually go in. And this preparation routine or practice has evolved throughout. I did not keep a tally of all of my questions at the beginning and that kind of backfired on me a few times and then I now I do my routine while I was in treatment when I met with my oncologist and my routine now are two different things too and it's also remembering that as much as you you might not want to be a cancer thriver anymore and you want to go back to normal within brackets because that's not it's never normal, but normal life 
you can't forget that when there's something wrong, you need to buy the bullet and, and track it. And you can't just be a cancer thriver for the two days that you're meeting before or after you're meeting with your oncologist or you're doing scans or all of these things. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. It's good to be on top of it continuously. Now, when we move on, and we discussed a lot about it, which is fantastic, is really just how one in general can prepare for appointments. And there's a lot of different topics that we can cover when it comes to talking about preparing for appointments. And we'll be sort of briefing everyone a little bit about some of the ideas that we have shortly. So to begin, the biggest part, at least in my opinion, and, and a big part that goes in is the questions that you have. Questions being related to the diagnosis itself or maybe the treatment that you're going through. But it's not limited to just that, to be honest. It's more so when you talk about the physical aspects, even emotionally, sometimes socially, you can even ask the oncologist. You might not get the answer that you want, but it's always good to at least think of some of the questions that you have because chances are there's someone out there that is going through the same thing and has those same questions. And sometimes, oncologists have resources to refer you to and that's something to consider as well not necessarily getting all your answers from one health professional because a lot of the times they can't answer every single thing but it's good to have those questions when you go into the appointment because you never know what kind of answers you may be able to get so it's better to ask than to not ask and then wonder when you actually leave so questions for me have always been popping up when I go into the appointment so they've always been a big impact in in my meetings. Mm -hmm. And as much as we, or I'm suggesting that you keep a running list of questions year round so that when you get to appointments, you have something to talk about or you can cover everything that you need to cover. The reality is oftentimes you're going to end up the night before and say, okay, well, what do I have to say to my oncologist or, or whoever you're meeting with, the member of your healthcare team? And when we consider those questions, it's important to ask ourselves, who is the best person to get these answers from? I know I remember thinking that my oncologist was the center of my care team. And sometimes they don't have the answer for you or they don't have the time to spend with you on, on certain questions. So they redirect you somewhere else or they just plainly say this is not a question for me and you have to figure out where to go to, for the answers so when you have that list of questions that end up coming to mind whether year-round or just before the appointment just try to sort through them and see okay which ones are meant for my oncologist and which ones do I want to ask in that 15 minutes and which ones do I want to ask someone else because I just think that other healthcare professional might be more equipped to answer that question Questions for me is also sorting and, and putting them into categories for different healthcare professionals. Yeah, it's a good point. Absolutely. Because a lot of the times you have so many that you really want to filter the questions into the time frame that you actually have available to you. So that's always something to consider. But remember that no question is off limit. Yes, maybe your oncologist might not answer your question, but there is someone out there that has asked the same question and there is an answer out there for you. I mean, you just have to kind of dig around sometimes. And then sometimes it's, it's just asking also other cancer thrivers who you know who might be able to help you. If we continue the second aspect to prepare when we think about medical appointments is the idea of, of decision making. 
And that can be a big one because sometimes we don't know what decisions we're going to have to face when we're in that appointment with our our medical team. But sometimes we have an idea and thinking, doing research and then considering all that research and making up somewhat of an opinion, even if it's not fully formed beforehand, can help you in that appointment be more efficient and take a stand and ask the right questions. Yeah, I believe that it's good to know some of the sometimes you leave an, an appointment and there are questions that have to be answered by yourself and there's options for you when you leave and you have to consider those options and those decisions when you're actually going into your next appointment and I think it helps to consider not just the decision that you want to make but maybe the one that you don't want to make just in case something were to happen where you have to make a decision that you necessarily didn't want to go that route for some reason. So I think it's best to consider all the decisions you have in front of you and try and weigh, I guess, the pros and cons. And it's different when you're looking at a health perspective because it's sometimes tough to weigh pros and cons. But at the same time, it's good to know all the decisions that you have on the table and to consider each option. And you have the time in front of you when you're waiting for your oncology appointments and obviously the weeks and the time prior and in between appointments. So it's really important to kind of get all the information you can on the decisions you're about to make so that when you do go in, you have an informed opinion on everything. And if your oncologist suggests something that you're not comfortable with, you can have that sort of discussion and back and forth rather than just making a decision based off of the fact that they may have the best answer and you don't really have anything to counter for. So it's important to just kind of prepare by knowing the decisions ahead of you. Now, third is, might not happen with everyone. I I know I went through it, so that's why I wanted to put it in here, is intervening when something isn't right and and preparing for those interventions. And I don't know, maybe Alex, you also have experience with that. I know last appointment that I had with my radiologist, I was very fed up (laughs) of of feeling anxious for weeks prior to my appointments. And, and that goes with the fear of recurrence, which I've, I've talked about already. It's the idea that I wasn't functioning and my quality of life wasn't as good as I wanted it to be for m- about a month before my appointment. And it would gradually get worse as we approached that date of my appointment or my scan. Now, I would see my oncologist and my radiologist every three months or each every six months, but it happened to be every three months I had an appointment. So four months out of the year, I felt not so great because I was anxious for my appointment. That was too much for me. Finally, I made the decision that I needed to have that conversation with my care team. And it happened that my first, the first person I met was my radiologist after that. And I was honest with him. I had practiced my speech because I'm not confrontational at all. So I had to prepare and I had written down bullet points of what I needed to say and why I thought it was too much and why I thought I was seriously believed that we needed to change something. What we could change, I didn't quite know what was feasible, but we needed to change something. And so I intervened and I said, you know what, this is too much. And he just ended up saying, well, you don't have to see me. So I was very happy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to stop going to see him, just go see my primary oncologist every six months. Anyway, so that worked out for me. But p- 
planning those interventions and getting yourself prepared for those can be very important because, well, for me, it is intimidating sometimes to go and see a, a healthcare professional who doesn't have a lot of time with me, who has their own set of values. And I'm, again, not confrontational. So that's out of my comfort zone. So those interventions for me are, are a key part of preparing for appointments when needed. So yeah, I think you have more experience with that, even just in that one anecdote that you shared there. For me, my mom came to all of my appointments. So she was one that taught me more not so preparing for the interventions, but catching when something is wrong or something doesn't maybe necessarily fit what you want it to and sort of jumping on that. So essentially, yeah, it's more the short term rather than the long term preparing. In short term, basically just being being in that environment, being in the appointment itself and trying to catch, okay, something isn't necessarily going the way I want it to. How can I bring that up as quickly as possible and as swiftly as possible? Just saying, okay, I don't know if that's correct or I don't know if I'm happy with that. Sort of a counter argument, not necessarily an intervention. And I think that's just as important because a lot of the times, at least for me, I just went with the flow oh, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine. And then I'd leave the appointment not satisfied with how it went. I think as my appointment sort of went on and as I learned a little bit more from my mom kind of stopping them and saying, okay, I don't really get this, blah, 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 blah. It was good to know that I had a lot more power and that just stopping someone and saying, okay, hold on, I want to kind of get more information or I want to try an alternative route. It's good to know and good to have that idea when you go in. That's great that you share that, Alex, because I think that's where it's ideal to be, is being able to confront your care team. And confront might be a big word. It's just standing up for yourself and what you believe and and what you need. You're the patient, in quotes. So I'm glad that you shared that because I think that is important to do. I think, like you might have shared, I think as young adults, it's difficult to, and, and it's a learning process because we're just not used to the medical system yet. <laughs> we get used to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did share that. So four, and, and our final kind of idea to consider when you're prepping for an appointment is having a fallout plan. This might not be for everyone. It's just something that I've adopted is having a plan in place that I don't have to think about in case something goes wrong. Because for me... Again, it goes back to fear of recurrence, which is very in link with the idea of appointments. But what if something goes wrong and we don't have to think that way? And, and that's not necessarily what I'm expecting when I walk into an appointment. I, I usually think that the appointment is going to go well and nothing new is going to come out of it. But there's the idea that I have put in place resources and lists and just talking with other people on what would need to happen was there bad news and that happened after I was done chemo I pushed to have a scan earlier because I still wasn't feeling all that great and that happened to to show us new results as in I still had some cancer in me and I needed to to work on another treatment plan so that kind of scared me I think and I wasn't prepared as to who would I tell what would I tell people? So fallout plans, if you're nervous about there being bad news at an appointment or if you just if you just have fear of recurrence and you just need to, to feel more safe and more in control, 
creating those resources and thinking about that just a little bit. You don't have to obsess over it. Just doing whatever you need to feel more calm and in control of that situation can help you, I think, in that prep and in going into that appointment more calmly. So that's what I mean by fallout plans. And again, I can't stress more the idea that you have to put it aside. It's It can be your focus, but if it's going to help you get through those few days before the appointment is to plan in, in case, it's an idea. So preparing for appointments is still very vague. And, and we've talked about four different areas that you should maybe consider preparing for if they speak to you or if you, you feel the need to. Now, when we consider appointments with our medical team in relation to our cancer, there are different kinds of, of appointments we need to prepare for. There's, of course, the first appointment, which is drastically different than the appointments you go through during treatments. And then, of course, there are the follow-up appointments when you're, you're deemed in remission up until the moment that you're cured and sometimes even after that. So we're going to speak a little bit about how those are different and how you might prepare differently for all of those appointments and how we did prepare differently for those because we've been through all three types. And we'll discuss first the idea of the first appointment, which is a big one. It's a huge one. It's, It's so difficult to really prepare for this one. I know for me, I didn't prepare. It was all so quick and overwhelming. And it was it was something that you can't really prepare for, at least from my opinion. So if someone is going into their first appointment and doesn't know what to do, that's fine because it is most likely the opinion of everyone. I went right from one hospital to the other one and was thrown all these new ideas, all these new people that I met, researchers, doctors, oncologists, dentists even. It was all sort of a a big blur at once. And so it was very overwhelming. I kind of tried to take in as much as possible. And just the one piece of advice I know to sort of prepare for the first appointment is make sure that you have someone with you. I know I had my parents with me and obviously it was just as new to them than it was to me. But they were at least a little bit more level-headed in that they wanted to know what was going on. And I know I did too, but I really just wanted to at one point, just sleep. I was tired. And, and so I was like, I don't, I wasn't happy with what was going on. I'm sure it'll work out, but it was good to have them there to catch what I didn't catch. When you have two or three sets of ears, someone will probably hear something that you didn't, and you'll get most likely the full scope of information. So that was just one piece of advice because it is overwhelming. There is a lot going on, and it's very hard to actually prepare before the actual appointment itself. And you were uh, diagnosed with ALL, which is a fast-moving cancer, and you don't have time. There's no delay between appointments. I had a little bit of a different experience, as in uh, between the time they actually did the biopsy and the moment I found out that I had Hodgkin's, there was almost a month in between that. So we we had a month of seeing it was the nurse practitioner at the time and she kind of hinted that there that was possible and then she called us giving us the news before they even referred me to to the cancer center. So I, then I had a probably I think I would say about a week in between finding out that I had cancer and meeting with an oncologist. So I had time to prepare and to research and to say, okay, what questions do I have? 
what are my treatment options? And again, don't get lost in the web. I had had my nurse practitioner send me information that was reputable and and that I could understand. So I had a little more of a prep time. So I think it, it might differ between how you're diagnosed, when you're diagnosed, and with what cancer. So for me, questions, making questions and thinking of what plans, what treatment plan I wanted, of course, with an open mind. But that was was possible for me before my first appointment. And I would suggest it if you do have the opportunity to, again, not get lost in the web, but just kind of explore that and your options to have a better understanding of where you stand. That might be good. That's interesting to have two different sides, but it's good to talk about that because everyone has a different opinion and different perspective on first appointments. So it's good to have a good wide spectrum. And now we'll move on to the appointments that everybody has, general treatment appointments, which we have talked about a lot already. We did sort of talk about how to prepare, at least with the four topics we brought up. But I think opinions and preparation can change when you go through the set of appointments and your treatment progresses because you learn from your mistakes, you learn from your successes, and you really understand a refined way of how you like to prepare. Like for me, I essentially started writing a lot more and having a lot more notes prepared when I went into the appointments. And when you get to know your oncologist a little bit better, you understand the nuances and you know when you can step in and when you can't, how much time generally you're going to have when you go in the appointment. And being able to take advantage of that information and trying to grasp as much time as possible and making the most out of the time is important. And so essentially, it's just a learning process when you prepare for your treatment appointments, but definitely take advantage and don't feel like those appointments are tedious because this is your opportunity to to shine and really find out exactly the issues that are going on and something that you want to change if there's anything Yeah, and it's that idea that you know yourself best and in those appointments, it's your time to shine and it's your time to voice those those opinions and to to advocate for yourself because treatment is not easy, both physically and psychologically and knowing what's wrong and pushing to get answers and to determine a plan that suits you is important, I think, in, in this stage of the process. And then we get to follow-up appointments, which is where Alex and I are currently. That changes drastically because, well, in my opinion, your oncologist is a little less involved appointments. It's more a check-in. It depends, again, what cancer you have. I just go and, and talk to them and then I do a blood test. Others will do scans before they meet with their oncologist. So I think that differs between people between oncologists and patients and and their cancer I see more as a check-in but again it's as important to voice what is wrong and even if you get referred back to your family doctor or someone else it's still important to keep your oncologist your medical oncologist and your oncology team in the loop I think for me yeah with follow-up appointments the most important part is just listening because You obviously want to listen when you're going through your treatment appointments, but for me, I don't have a lot to say. I feel good and there's not a lot of issues that I have and that might be different for for other thrivers, but I know for myself, 
it's more important for me to just listen to anything they have to say. If there's anything they'll catch, the the oncologist will probably catch it because I, I won't. I just won't know if something is maybe a product of the treatment being finished or just a general everyday problem, being tired because of the weather or something like that. So I'd rather have this time to just listen to what they, they say, any suggestions they have, because it's a lot more of a laid back appointment, like you mentioned, at least for myself. It's really a fact of just trying to listen to what they have to say, having more of a discussion and and being a little bit more like I said, laid back, laissez-faire, nothing too concerned. At least that's the way sort of I approach it because there's not a whole lot that I have to say when I go in. It's more so just a, a discussion. I find these conversations about appointments and, and follow-up interesting when we have them, Alex, because we don't have the same really no. views on the entire no. idea of follow-up, <laughs> which is interesting because, of course, like with everyone diagnosed with cancer, unfortunately – not two people go through the same experience. No. So it's nice to be able to give two perspectives. Oh, absolutely. Because we, we agree on mostly everything. Yeah. That one, not so much, but that's good. That we do get to discuss it. Exactly. Because then we can focus on both sides of the spectrum and then we have, uh, we have some good discussions. It's always a good thing. So following this, we understand that as a cancer thriver, you end up meeting a lot of healthcare professionals. That being... Doctors, nurses, social workers, psychologists, nutritionists, the list goes on. I personally find it more intimidating meeting doctors, so specialists or oncologists. That's just, I think, because I perceive a difference between them and I in, in authority. And, and, and that's just a perception that I'm trying to change because I don't think they do. I think... I personally believe that the person who is living with cancer has more control than anyone else in this process. Yeah. But let's say meeting doctors is a little more anxiety provoking for, for many of us, that being a specialist, your medical oncologist, at any point in the process. What would be tips that we would give someone meeting new healthcare professionals to kind of build that report with them? Because we only have 15 minutes and it's not easy to build a report with someone when there's such a limited amount of time and someone who has such a big influence in our lives. A really important thing that at least helped with me, and I think it's a very interesting point, is just to bring someone with you to the appointments. It's something that's simple. It's something that everyone can do for the most part. Everyone usually has one or two support people that they can really trust. And bringing someone with you benefits in so many ways. First off, it's just a calming presence. Obviously, going there can be intimidating when you're meeting with more than one person. There are health professionals all over the place throwing information at you. Having that person with you is good just to discuss. It keeps you calm. Someone to talk to throughout the waiting process and to keep you sane while you're waiting two or three or four hours just to talk to somebody or just to wait for that treatment, which can be very grueling, I'm sure, for everyone. And I'm sure everyone at home is nodding their heads. But that's definitely helpful. It's also very helpful when you're in the employment itself because, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things that you can learn. And a lot of the times, either your brain may not be paying attention, you might even just have brain fog and may not be fully aware. And sometimes it's good to have someone to catch some of the things that you have missed. So when you leave the appointment, you may have one perception and your caregiver or someone 
close to you that you've brought may have a different opinion. And it's good to sort of bounce those ideas off and be able to catch all the information that's coming at you at once. And for the most part, doing things with someone else is usually more fun than doing them yourself anyway. So usually you can enjoy the employment as much as possible. Well, I, I do agree with you, Alex. Bringing someone with you is one of the most important things to do. Staying calm is also very important, I think, in, in my experience practicing grounding techniques or meditation or just deep breathing can be important tips. The third point to discuss <laughs> yeah. when sort of meeting a new doctor, which can be intimidating as we discussed, is sort of paying attention to what they say. And this is important because you really get to know the type of person that the health professional specialist oncologist is by hearing what they have to say context-based and how they say it and how they take up the time and how they occupy the time. So the information, it's really just as important in the first visit as it is in the last visit because it's obviously your health that you're dealing with. And when you're in there, it's very important to kind of listen to everything that that person has to say. But it's just really important because, like I mentioned, you get to learn the type of person that you're dealing with, especially when it's the first time. You get to know if they are a rambler, if they cut to the chase as quickly as possible. And that way, when you go into your future appointments, you know how to sort of handle that. Whether you can get a word in, whether you can plan on when you can speak and when you can't speak, if you have to cut that professional off because there's just no other time, it's very good to listen to everything they have to say contextual base and just how they say it because you learn how that person operates and you can obviously learn how you are going to be able to filter all that information. That's so true. And as much as we are in control, I, I do actually believe that. We still need to be able to get along with these people. And everyone has a different style. And it's important to recognize that. And you have to compromise sometimes on how appointments go. And then lastly, it's remembering that the healthcare professional who's sitting in front of you or beside you or who's who you're interacting with, they're, they're another human being. And if you get to the point where you understand that they look a lot less scary <laughs> if they do it all um absolutely and not at all above you in this care team you're, you're kind of at the same level and you have to treat them as such if they say something that makes no sense you have to call it out as much as they would call you out on it if you said something that made less sense you can do things like shake hands when you walk into the room or get to know each other and no you can't ask them personal questions but you can kind of assume things based on their nonverbal or the way they dress or or all of those things you can get to know those people if there's a picture of a kid in the office if if you find out that they're they're a parent or or any of those things that can mean a lot when it comes to humanizing these individuals that seem to be above above you sometimes when they're not. Now we move on to a topic that we've discussed here. Having someone there is very beneficial. So we want to discuss who can help you with preparing. When we talk about this, we talk mostly specifically about the questions that we have and how they can help us preparing for our appointments. So the first entity that can help you prepare for appointments is the hospital itself. Often they will have resources on navigating the healthcare system. It's always good to 
look at those, especially before your first appointment to kind of prepare for that. They will have lists of questions that you can maybe ask your oncologist. They will have resources on different cancers and different procedures that they they do. So you kind of get a feel of what the hospital is like that your cancer center is like. You can Google your oncologist and or even the hospital website often has the bios of oncologist and and kind of get the feel preparing for that and and maybe the questions that you might have. That your hospital there are individuals in the hospital that can have the actual list of questions that they might suggest that you talk to your oncologist about it during your first appointment, treatment appointments, or follow-up appointments. And we move on secondly to your caregivers. These are obviously people that are important in our lives. They're dealing with it secondhand, and they usually have a lot of questions or are just as curious about what's going on in your life than you are. So there's someone that you can lean on, whether it be someone in your family, some a friend of yours, someone that you met through the actual cancer experience, people that can help you that are in there as your support system, have a lot of knowledge of what you're going through, mostly because you are either relaying this information to you or they are coming to the appointments and they are all in the know-how of exactly the process that's been going on. And so it's very important that you let them in on some of the ideas that you have, some of the questions that you have so that they can better prepare you, whether they're too long-winded or whether you want to narrow sort of focus on a different topic and they can sort of help you relay that information to the healthcare professionals because they know exactly, for the most part, what you're going through as well. Yeah, and, and your caregivers, for me, was my parents mostly, but also the rest of my family and some of my friends. Those were important actors in all of this process and they had ideas and they had questions too and listening to them when I was preparing for appointments listening to what their concerns were could lead me to good questions to ask my oncologist or, or any member of my healthcare team so that was important to not just consider my own questions but also those of, of the people who were going through the experience with me in different roles and then we have, of course, the healthcare professionals. So social workers, coaches, nutritionists, physios. Preparing for your appointments, they can give you a good idea of what questions to ask. So for example, if you're having a hard time with nausea and you've seen a nutritionist to kind of help you along with what's what are the best foods to eat when I'm nauseous, they might have good questions for you to ask your oncologist to maybe get help in different ways, such as through medication. Those people can be a good source of information when it comes to preparing questions for your appointments. It's important to note that it's a healthcare network, and the network is the key word, right? The fact that if you have a question for one person, they might not be able to answer it, but chances are they'll have resources to filter your question to someone else. So no question to a certain person is a wrong question to that person, even if they can't answer it because you will most likely find someone who is going through it and who will be able to answer that question for you in the most proper manner. Very curious about the specialized services. I feel like you have certain examples, Gabrielle. I'd love to hear what they are. I do have examples. Specialized services, there are services that exist. And and some people might have access to them. Others might not. They vary within region and with access. But if you look a little bit and if you you ask around to see what resources are available in your community you might be surprised as to what to find 
I remember I was under my parents' healthcare plans. So through work, they had medical plans and that included access to a service called CarePath. And they're basically an interdisciplinary team of nurses, oncologists, social workers, the list goes on, that you can access as a member of, of those, those medical plans or private plans. So we had access to we, those. We had a nurse assigned to us that had all of our files. She had access to oncologist, radiologist, the whole works. And she would help me prepare questions for appointments, especially the first appointment and then the, the treatment appointments. When I wasn't doing too good, we could call her, discuss those problems with her. And she would say, okay, well, why don't you go back to your oncologist and ask those specific questions, which were a lot more medical questions than I would have ever been able to think of, such as like the dosage. And and she would tell us a little bit what to look for and what would be the difference between certain dosages or all of these things. So that's like one example of a specialized service that helped us prepare for appointments immensely. There's also like in Ottawa, there's the cancer coaching at the Ottawa Regional Cancer Foundation. They can help you. So they're coaches. They start wherever you want. So if you're needing help to prepare for appointments, they will help you and create a plan and put into practice that plan to get you ready for those appointments. Amongst other things, they do a whole range of different things. Very good service. They can help prepare for appointments so again that's very regional care path is more based on what plans you have but those specialized services do exist and if you look and if you ask around other people might have ideas as to what other specialized services are out there yeah it's interesting i didn't hear about anything like that but it's good to have those services for especially young adults that's not specific to us but obviously it's definitely beneficial so actually as you were speaking there i was recalled even just wellspring having them activity centers they have a lot of people there who are professionals at either exercise they're professionals at health and healthy cooking and mindfulness and yoga and things like that which may not help exactly with certain appointments but at the same time there are people who also can branch out in different network settings and they are great resource to go for classes go for professionals to discuss things and so that's definitely a service that could be utilized and i know they're all over certain areas in ontario and it's great to look them up and i believe a lot of their supporters can go and partake in a lot of the activities as well. So that can definitely help with your appointments. So lastly, Alex had brought up at the beginning of this episode, the idea of rituals and having a routine before you go to appointments. And we just want to finish off with an example of of each one of our routines, rituals, so that you can start thinking of, well, what that what would that look like for me as a cancer thriver? What would that ritual be that keeps me calm and keeps me positive through this process and gets me through those cancer follow-ups or appointments or at any stage of the process? So would you like to go first? Sure, I'd absolutely love to go first. So for me, just a couple of the things that I mentioned them earlier in this episode that I like to do to prepare. I like to listen to music before I go into the blood work lab, which was the first thing I would do each appointment. It would just sort of pump me up for the day, wake me up, get me at least somewhat ready for the long four or five hours that I would be at the hospital. Generally, it would be music that was more upbeat, getting me ready, getting me positive. 
And then when I was waiting for blood work and the oncology appointment, I would usually bring a book and I would read. And a lot of the times when I actually found a book that I was interested in, I wouldn't even notice that they had called my name. And so that's obviously beneficial because a lot of the times we're sitting there staring at the ceilings. And so when you have a book or something to sort of keep you occupied throughout, it makes the time go by a lot quicker. And when I was waiting for, usually my when my appointment was done, I would wait for my treatment and for them to prepare a seat for me. I would either continue my reading or I would go to the rooftop patio, which they had at PMH. So Princess Margaret Hospital has 18 floors. I know on the 16th floor, they had sort of an outdoor patio that you could sit. Very, very nice with some trees and some decorations. And obviously in the winter, it wasn't possible to go out. But for the few summers that I was around, I would try and sit out there and read, eat. I'd usually try and have the same lunch. I was very, I was a creature of habit during appointments because like I mentioned earlier, if I had left an appointment successful, just in the sense that everything was good and there was no questions and no concerns, I'd want to sort of replicate that in the next appointment. It's just something in my head that I felt would benefit me and sort of my mindset going in. Those are just some of the quirks that I'd like to do each time. So let's, let's hear some of the things that you love to do before and during appointments. I actually, I just kind of, keep myself busy the best I can. I've not had any specific rituals all throughout the process up until very recently where I when I became when I started taking a picture of of me smiling of a happy picture and I posted the first one on Instagram actually. And it was just me being happy and in the moment before I was going to see my oncologist. And that served to kind of remind me that no matter what would happen, and again, not that I was expecting anything bad to happen, grasping at that that happiness that I felt and that calmness pre-appointment and, and ensuring that I knew that everything would be okay. So no matter what would happen in that appointment, that person that was smiling before would not be different afterwards. It's the same person. So that kind of idea, that ensuring that it continuity of who I was and how happy I was feeling in that moment. So that's kind of the, the ritual that I started. And, and that has been beneficial for me. I, I've really enjoyed doing it the past few times. So that would be, I think, the only ritual that I've actually started intentionally. Other than that, I tend to not have much structure that day I do go get a tea so that would be another one that keeps me that's a, a, a given it's cool it's a that's a good one that's like something you don't hear all the time so for the most part today the send-off will be very short and sweet everyone prepares differently for appointments there's no right way to do it we did suggest a couple of ideas that we have whether that be taking notes whether that be preparing questions preparing concerns asking someone to join you getting a good night's rest, those are all beneficial. But the most important thing we want to stress is just to prepare in general. This is a very important part of our treatment and our process is the appointments. And we want to take full advantage of the time that we have with our oncologists, the time that we have with our social workers, and the time in our blood work even, just to talk to the people that are handling our care as best as possible and to let them know that we are just as important as they are and to understand yourself that you are just as important. And so these appointments are very important in the sense that it is your time to shine. It is your time to ask questions and consider exactly what you need to be the healthiest individual and the most prepared you can be going forward. 
Very well said, Alex. This ends episode 51, preparing for cancer appointments. This prep time will certainly, again, like Alex just said, look very different for everyone. And we would like you to share with us what you would do to prepare for a cancer appointment. We would actually love to know. Clearly, Alex and I do very different things to prepare for appointments, and we understand that you would too. And we're very interested. Of course, if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, or if you simply want to share your story with us, do reach out through Sorbove Cancer's blog, as well as our social media accounts, which are all linked in the show notes. Many smiles to you, and see you next week. <laughs>